0: All right, how's everybody doing today good. Good. good are you ready for the Christmas season I guess technically we're kind of in the Christmas season right yeah. uh, headed that way Thanksgiving is over headed toward Christmas are you looking forward to Christmas yeah. everybody seems a little tired today <laughs> it's been it's been a hard weekend I guess hard week a lot of traveling how many tra- how many of you traveled to different places a lot, a lot, not too many not too many? Well, I know Christmas is coming upon us fast, and so we're going to be doing a series of messages. Other than on the 12th, the 12th I want to remind you is our Christmas program, and I encourage you all to be here for that. I think it's going to be excellent. And, uh, but on the other dates, we'll have a sermon series, which I've kind of entitled, Why God's Son Came Into the World. And you know, most of us are very familiar with the Christmas story about how it took place. We're familiar with the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We're familiar with his being born in the stable. We're familiar with the story of the star over Bethlehem. We're familiar with all of those things. But I wanna delve into a little bit about why God's son came into the world. And of course, we'll study also and we'll hear about The story of Christmas as well as as how that happened but if you look through the New Testament and the Old Testament as well there's many many reasons why Jesus came to this earth he is the Son of God by the way and he did leave his heavenly home he existed before his birth in that stable he existed from eternity past and will exist all the way into eternity future and but I'm curious about what are some of those reasons for why he came. And like I said, there will be many. We'll only have opportunity to maybe mention five or six of them. And we're gonna mention a couple of those here today. So this is the beginning of several different sermons on why God's son came into the world. And we're gonna start with the scripture in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. So hopefully you have turned there or know about that and let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word as we see just a couple reasons why Jesus came to this earth verse 35 and James and John the sons of Zebedee came up to him and said to him teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you and he said to them what do you want me to do for you But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you but whoever would be great among you you must be your great among you you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many let's pray Father we come to you this morning just thankful that we have the word of god that we can read it try to understand it, apply it to our lives, and we ask that of you here today. We know that we cannot do it on our own, that we cannot interpret your word by ourselves, otherwise we would stray far away. But you have given us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to dwell within us, and so we are trusting upon him to help us to understand these words that we have read today And that you would give us wisdom as to how to interpret them and how to understand them. And to really understand why Jesus had to come. We pray that once we understand those things, that we would give room for those things in our heart. That they would change our way of thinking and change our way of living so that we are ultimately more like Christ and less like the world. In all these things, we give you honor and glory, and we give you thanks. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So it's it's pretty clear why Jesus came in this scripture. Um, That last verse that I read, verse 45, it says, "'For even the Son of Man came not to be served, "'but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many.'" So even within that verse, we see that Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to serve us. He did not come for himself to be served by us, but he came himself to serve us. And he did that in a couple different ways. So I wanna talk about the first one first. The first is that Jesus came into world as an example to show us how we are to serve one another. We are to serve each other, right? We within the church are to love one another and serve one another. We serve one another by meeting physical needs sometimes, emotional needs, but many times as spiritual needs we, we meet as the body of Christ to encourage one another in the faith to learn more about Jesus and what it is to live and follow after him. But there's a problem with this and that loving others by serving others does not come to us naturally. It does not come to us naturally. If you think about those who have never heard about Christ, it is not a natural thing for them to serve other people. There's a reason why we have such a fantastic military and fast, fantastic medical professionals and pastors even who are willing to serve us. And that's because of the example that Jesus Christ has given us. I think that's where that comes from. And so we don't naturally do that, and the perfect example of that is James and John in our scripture that we have here today. James and John, two brothers who were fishermen, but their nickname given to them by the Lord Jesus was that they were sons of thunder. One person wrote this about this. He said, you don't get a nickname like sons of thunder for no reason. (laughs) but that is how Jesus named his disciples, James and John. They were rough-hewn guys, amazing, colorful characters. They would not back away from confrontation. In fact, they may even have looked forward to one. They could be very aggressive and they could also be very insensitive. In other words, at this point in their ministry, they were like bulls in the china shop, right? You heard that old saying? You don't let a bull loose in the china shop. Well, that's what it was like letting James and John loose. Every indication that we have in Scripture is that at the beginning of their ministry with Jesus, they were arrogant, they were demanding, they were impatient, and they were insensitive. They were the ones who, when the people, I believe it was of Samaria, rejected Jesus they said, "Do you want us?" They said to Jesus, "Do you want us to call down fire upon them?" So they they were kind of like Peter in a way. They were all friends, of course. Kind of this inner circle, James, John, and Peter. But they were all similar in that they were very demanding, they were very outgoing, and sometimes insensitive. Now, they say this to Jesus. They demand that Jesus, "We want you to do whatever we tell you to do. That's arrogant, right? And yet, really, if we think about it, that's many people's perspective on what God is like to to them. God is there to serve us. God is there to answer our selfish prayers. God is there to be there for me, right? And that's not exactly the way it is in the Bible. We exist to glorify God but they had demanded that Jesus do whatever they wanted him to do. And this is just following the previous section of scripture where Jesus has told them, I am going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. I'm going to be tortured and I'm gonna be raised on the third day. So they take this as the time when they're gonna ask Jesus to do whatever they want him to do. So insensitive, right? Insensitive, arrogant. Their pride causes them to ask Jesus to place them in the two most prominent positions in the kingdom that is to come. One of the things that they did right is they realized that Jesus was gonna have a future that was going to be glorious, where he would reign over the kingdom and he would have absolute authority and power to rule as he saw fit. But their pride causes them to ask Jesus to place the, themselves on either side of Jesus. These are places of recognition, places of power, and places of authority. We can hear that, can't we? <laughs> I hope you can hear that. So, uh, But these are places of recognition, power, and authority, and they're a little bit arrogant to request that they would be put in those positions. This is not the way the kingdom of God works, is it? And you guys know this, this is nothing that you haven't heard before, but I would be wary of anybody within the church who wants a position just because they want the recognition or the power and authority, right? We are servants within the church. And yet these disciples, they foolishly trust in their own ability because when Jesus asked them, can you basically go through the suffering that I'm going to suffer, the cup, take the cup, take the baptism that I'm going to take that, look at the words that they say in verse 39, we are able, we are able. We were talking a little bit about this in Sunday school, I think, but we don't have any ability to do any of this stuff, do we? We don't have the ability to be other people's servants except for the power of the Holy Spirit that is within us. Amen. And so this causes the other disciples to be angry. It causes discord within this group. And Jesus says, come on, everyone get together. I'm gonna to straighten everybody out. First of all, he says to James and John, he says, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> You think you can do this, you you think that you can do and suffer the way that I'm going to suffer, but you're not gonna be able to do that without my power. I think that James and John are trusting a little bit in their own ability and their good works. Jesus kind of turns this around and flips it around and he says, It's not even up to me who's going to sit at my right hand or my left. But this is prepared for those, but this is for those to whom it has been prepared. And I think they, they must have learned a little bit of a lesson there that it's not our good works, but it's God's grace that we are in the position that we are in, right? If we're within the church, if we have any kind of leadership position in the church, then it's because God has prepared that for us. Not because of our ability, not because of our good works, but it's because of God's sovereign choice. I believe that God prepares our salvation and our place in the kingdom of God. It's not by works, but it's by his amazing grace. Each and every one of us, right? Don't deserve to be where we're at. So loving others by serving others comes to us when we are supernaturally humbled. And I think that's what Jesus is doing in this section of scripture. He's saying that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be a servant of others. I'm not too sure how John and James took this. We don't get much in the way of how they responded to this. But ultimately, I do think they learned this and responded to this. And they were supernaturally humbled. Scripture says clearly that we are to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. This is the lesson that James and John had to learn, to put others' needs before their own needs. And it's what we need to learn as well, right? And sometimes relearn. We're always learning this and we're always Coming back to it, because we always have a tendency, even in our saved nature, to to put ourselves out front, to have ambition that would satisfy our needs and desires. And then we have to step back and say, no, it's not about me. It's about how I can serve others. Jesus goes on, he says, if you want to be first, you must be the slave of all. In other words, if you want to be first, you have to let others go first, in a sense. They have to go before you. You must give them preference. In other words, in all of this, our pride and our arrogance must be broken. Our pride and our arrogance must be broken. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I know I've said this many times before about pride and arrogance and about being humbled, but like I said, it always has a tendency to creep back into our lives. We must be broken, broken by the message of the gospel and the spirit of God. We had in Sunday school, we had the lesson today about Abraham and his story about God coming to him and speaking to him and saying, "You're going to take your only son, Isaac, the son whom you love, and take him and offer him as a burnt sacrifice." And as we were reading through this, I wasn't looking behind me, I was sitting up here, but I was looking at Jake, and both of our eyes were just on the verge of tearing up. I'm, I know Jake pretty well. I know. I know his heart. And I think a lot of people in the back were like that as well. But in this situation, Abraham is to take Isaac to be sacrificed and he collects the wood and he travels to the place. He even has Isaac carry the wood for him. Isaac is asking him, where's the sacrifice going to come from? And Abraham says, don't worry, God will provide the sacrifice all the while knowing believing that Isaac was going to be the sacrifice so they get to the place and Abraham starts laying out the wood he even ties up Isaac and puts him on the altar and is ready with his knife to his throat and the angel of the Lord intercedes and says don't sacrifice your only son and they find the ram in the thicket and God did provide a sacrifice and Isaac was spared. But the faith that Abraham had to have to go through with that is just amazing. And I think he had that amount of faith because he had been broken. He had been broken of taking any credit for doing anything in his own power, that he was a man of faith, that he trusted God, that he knew that God was faithful, that he would somehow be true to his promise to make a blessing of all the nations through his son, Isaac. And it's this brokenness sometimes that I think we miss out on. That emotion that comes over us where our eyes tear up and we realize in that story about Abraham and Isaac, what God went through when he offered his only son. Because that picture of Abraham and Isaac is so much like Jesus Christ and his walk to the cross. He carried his own wood, so to speak. And all through this, God was leading him into this death trap. And we have to, folks, we have to catch some of that emotion of what God was feeling as His son, Jesus, was not withheld, but actually went through with that sacrifice. If you are here and you're a father and you have kids, you probably realize what that feels right now. We must feel that same way if we are to be the servant of all and to be the slave of all. It's not an easy task, is it? It's not an easy task. But Jesus makes it possible because secondly, one thing that tells us why Jesus is coming from this scripture is that Jesus came into the world to serve by giving his life as a ransom for many. The word ransom, we don't use that word a lot. We probably hear it on TV more than anywhere. To be be, uh, honest, we probably hear it on some detective case where a child has been taken Uh, captive, uh, kidnapped, and there is a ransom that must be paid in order to get that person back. We, in a very real sense, are hostages to our sin. We are in captivity to our sin before we come to know Christ. Unless payment is made, eternal death will be a result. Thankfully, Jesus offers his life as a payment for the penalty. He pays the ransom. It's his death on the cross that pays the ransom, and we are set free, amen? Amen. We are set free. And so he tells us this story about how we are to serve others, and then he says in verse 45, he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for for many. Even the Son of Man must be this way. We are to follow Jesus, right? We're to follow his example. We must be willing to lay down our life for the sake of others. That's why we are here. That's why we are left on this earth is to serve others by sharing the gospel with them, by building them up in the body of Christ. I do believe James and John got this message. If you don't remember, James was the first Apostle to be martyred. He's the first one who stood up against those who said, "No, you cannot preach that," and he continued to preach that, and he was martyred. John continued to co- continues to live, but he becomes known as the disciple of love. Right? No longer arrogant. No longer. Um, no longer impatient no longer insensitive but he becomes the disciple of love so in finishing up here today we've learned these things Jesus came into the world to be an example to us as how we are to serve others and so that that means we cannot hold anything back we cannot hold anything back for ourselves and we have to do that in the power of the holy spirit right we can't we don't have that power within us but we can with the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, Jesus came into the world to serve by giving his life as a ransom for many. This is the example that we are to serve, to to follow. We are to give our lives in service for the sake of others. Sometimes when I preach, I feel so inadequate. I'm good at telling the truth. I'm not so good sometimes of telling us how to do that. But we do it together, right? We do it as a body of Christ. It's not like any one of us has the answer to any of these things, but we continue to encourage each other to grow strong in the faith. And so that's my prayer for this church is that we would do that, that we would build one another up in the faith and challenge each other to do better in the faith and that we would do that in a loving way. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had studying your word and studying these men. And we shouldn't be too judgmental about them because many times we are the same way. We can be arrogant, we can be full of pride, we can be insensitive, we can be impatient, we can want things our own way. We see it in our families, And Father, that's not the way that we should be. And so this is our opportunity to say this is not the way it should be. I'm I'm going to turn the other way. I'm going to repent of that. I'm going to do better at serving others. It's a difficult thing for us to do. Help us to do it together. And help us to do it in your power and not our own. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And he will do it, right? If we pray that, he will do it. So let's go ahead and stand for our final song.